Hi, I'm Danielle Houston. I'm a benefits advisor at Propel Insurance. I'm the host of The Checkup, and we have moved our podcast into this video world like we're all doing so much more of these days. And I have a returning guest with me. He is Zach Snyder. He's the Government Affairs Director for Cambia Health Solutions. And if you have been listening to my podcast, you have heard him provide some really powerful and also rather well-attuned looks at legislative, what's happening. He has been a great predictor at what's going to happen next. And it's a really good time to have him come back in a time that's uncertain. The legislative session is over. But as we all know, life for everyone here has changed tremendously. So what does that look like as we wrap out 2020? Um, what happened? Zach is going to give us some really great insight into that. So with that, Zach, I kick it over to you. Welcome back to the checkup. Thanks, Danielle. Thanks for having me. Uh, a lot has happened since the last time we have talked. And Indeed. I really look forward to going over what happened in the 2020 legislative session, because I believe it will lay clues to what is going to happen in the next several months and in the 2020, or excuse me, the 2021 legislative session, uh, which will have an enormous impact on employers in the state of Washington. Tremendous. So let's start with that. Pre-COVID, there's a legislative session in full, <laughs> in full effect. A lot had changed coming into that session. Where were we? When the legislative session started in January 2020, I know that seems like a long time ago now, no one was really talking about COVID. Sure, COVID existed, but really only the scientists in the United States knew about it at that time, no one was talking about it until February. So as we went into the legislative session, the legislators were focused on delivering goals for the state of Washington. And these goals included providing new programs for people to access healthcare, providing programs to improve the homelessness situation in the state of Washington. And they looked at a variety of funding proposals to do just that. And the reason why they were able to do that is because the state was flush with money at the time. Uh, one piece I would like to talk about first is that there was a proposal to fund something called a premium subsidy program. And this would provide funding to individuals who purchase their healthcare on the health insurance exchange. So the individual market. So Danielle, as you know, as your listeners know, individuals up to 400% of the federal poverty level they can get assistance on the exchange to purchase healthcare from the federal government. But what the state wanted to do was give resources over and above that to individuals, but they had to figure out how to pay for that. Now the state of California, they funded a program for individuals up to 600% of the federal poverty level. So the state of Washington, they were looking at a program up to 500% of the federal poverty level that was put into the public option legislation that we've talked about before in 2019. They were looking at a tax on premiums. So the premiums that employers pay for health insurance, they were looking at a 2% tax. So that would have brought up the premium tax from 2% to 4%. Okay. And how did that 
it might be worth just reminding people too that in California, they funded that through their own individual mandate to have health insurance, right? So Washington's response is going to be a little bit different. Um, but there were a few. I mean, you you outlined three taxes that were on the table that had a lot of weight behind them, a lot of momentum behind them, and they were defeated, but not by much. Yeah, that's right. We saw the premium tax proposal, but we also saw a proposal to tax claims paid, and that would have impacted not just uh, employers who purchase uh, health insurance, but also employers who self-insure because they pay their own claims. And there would have been a 1% tax on that. These two pieces of legislation were narrowly defeated. There was another bill to require, or excuse me, give authority to King County to impose a payroll tax to pay for homelessness services as well. And that was defeated. That is that right? That's right. So all three okay. of those pieces of legislation were defeated. Okay. And I think it's interesting to note that some of what had been on the table that would have impacted self-funded plans would have opened up a new door, at least here in Washington State, because most of the taxes that we have seen imposed here in Washington self-funded groups have been able to be free of, of those pieces and only have to adopt what happened at the federal level. So I think self-funded clients should probably be breathing a sigh of relief that they got a little bit of reprieve there. And is it too hard to look at 2021 at this point and say they're going to be back? I mean, Everything around us has changed, and I know probably three or four months ago, you would have said, undoubtedly, those are going to be back next year in some form or fashion. Do you think that's true today? What we saw in the 2020 session was a desire for legislators to raise new revenue. This desire was coming even when the state of Washington projected that it was going to bring in almost a billion more dollars than it originally thought it would. Just this week, Washington budget writers projected that the state is bringing in $7 billion less than they thought they would because of the wow. economic fallout. So if legislators were looking to bring in new revenue when we were bringing in almost a billion more than we thought we would, you could only imagine where they're going to be when we're 7 billion in the hole. There will be a desire to, there will be a desire to look for new revenues. Now there will be cuts as well. Yeah. The legislators will come back likely in the summer for a special legislative session to balance the budget now that the economy has been impacted by the COVID crisis. We don't expect them to raise new taxes in the summer legislative session. We expect them to do cuts and we expect them to do transfers from you know, different rainy day funds and things like that in order to cover the whole. But then when we go to 2021 and the regular session starts, that is where we will likely see a renewed push for some sort of new revenue. And don't forget, okay. we do have an election in 2020. Yes, we do. And there will, I'm sure, be a lot of 
heated discussions leading up into that election cycle. Um, so knowing that there's this budget shortfall, there's going to be a summer session. When do you think that summer session will start? Well, no one knows yet. Well, maybe someone knows. Uh, some of these legislators, they may know, but they're not sharing that information uh, with folks yet. Uh, but we are looking at a couple of different uh, timelines here. We're looking at the end of June. And the reason why we're looking at the end of June is because that's when the revised budget forecast comes out. So we think that there will be a revised budget forecast and then uh, the state, the legislators will know how much money they're working with and can revise the, the current biennium before it ends July 1. Okay, makes sense. All right, so you made a comment earlier and I think the emphasis is on the was. The state was flush with money and you called out a couple of key things, one of which I think we already talked about, but the new economic forecast in the middle of this session showing that the state was going to bring in 600 million more, and now we're saying it's going to be how much less? Yeah, so that's, that? yeah, so the 600 million more was for that current biennium. Okay. When you took the three-year outlook, it was one and a half billion. Now this seven billion is a three-year projection. So the state okay. is going to be in the whole seven billion dollars over a three-year period. So roughly divide that by three if you want to get the yearly uh, impact there. Okay. And then talk about what Boeing did. This was a pretty interesting uh, thing that happened in the middle of the session. I've never seen anything like this before in the uh, 12 years that I've been working down in Olympia. But the WTO ruled that Boeing was getting too many tax breaks in the United States. And in order for Boeing to adhere to the World Trade Organization rules, they would have to go back and get some of those uh, preferential uh, tax provisions repealed. So Boeing came to the state of Washington and asked for them to repeal uh, tax provisions that were beneficial to them. And the state of Washington said, sure, we'll, we'll repeal those if you want us to. And as a result sure. of that, uh, the state was going to bring in an additional $200 million for the biennium. Now, though, that will have to be revised as well because that was a B&O tax provision. And a B&O tax is a tax on a business's gross receipts. Well, how many gross receipts is Boeing getting right now? That is down. So that, that money coming into the state will now be projected to be down. Washington State, it builds its revenues through sales taxes, through property taxes, and through this business and occupation tax. That is the state's main sources of tax revenues. And all of those are down as a result of the COVID crisis and the impact to the economy. Right. So this last session ended, of course, right about the time that COVID was really making its, its noticeable appearance here in Washington, but really across the country since we we sort of started going first on all of this, right? Um, 
so you have a couple of notes here that I think too are good to put out in front of people that focus on COVID funding. What did that look like? In the matter of a week, the COVID funding package went from 10 million to 100 million to $200 million. Big jump. Legislators took it very seriously when they saw day after day the impact happening in our communities. So they made $200 million available for the state to address this crisis. As of just a few weeks ago, the state is already halfway through that money. And I bet if I was to check again, they're even further along that timeline. So uh, the state will need more funds to battle this crisis. Thankfully, and Danielle, you and I have talked about this on some other occasions, but the Congress has passed, you know, now four funding packages uh, for individuals and governments, local governments, state and local governments to, you know, battle this crisis. So more money is coming into the state of Washington to help. Which is a good thing, but as we all know, it's not a, it's not a, an unending pot, an unending reserve, and and taxpayers and citizens will all have to be working together to take care of all the other things that will need to happen here, at least in our state. Um, okay, so right after the session, everything changed. You had some really interesting notes here, some of which I think we already have gone through. Um, one of the things that you have said, it's really unclear what do you think the chances are that there will be some new taxes that might be talked about in the summer session that's open. Would that be pretty unprecedented or do you think, you know, anything's on the table at this point? I think anything is on the table at this point. However, I do think it is unlikely for legislators to entertain new taxes in the special legislative session. Okay. Particularly if that special legislative session happens prior to the election. Legislators don't want to pass a, a big tax and then go ask for your vote. Right. They know what the answer would be on that one, right? Um, Seattle had proposed or maybe is proposing a payroll tax that would be obviously city specific. Can you talk about that? Yeah, this is another interesting development. Uh, as your listeners know, in 2018, there was the so-called head tax that was passed and then repealed after uh, a group of businesses banded together and showed council members that they had the votes to take that head tax to a referendum. So the legislators decided to repeal that. Now we have a new council that was elected. Uh, by all accounts, this is actually an even more progressive city council. They're taking another run at passing legislation to impose a payroll tax to help with the homelessness crisis in the city of Seattle. There's another twist to this money this time they want to also use it to give $500 checks to low-income households in the city of Seattle as a stimulus during the COVID crisis. Wow. Okay. On top of what the federal government has 
issued around unemployment. So would this be something that someone has to be unemployed to receive or would it be solely based on income from your understanding? The legislation has it based on income and okay. this legislation would be enacted during the mayor's emergency order and legislation that's enacted during an emergency order needs to be approved by seven out of nine members of the city council and it must be affirmed by the mayor. And if all of that happens, then that legislation cannot be taken to a referendum. And you think they have seven of those nine votes? No, I, I don't think that they do. I don't think that they have the votes uh, and they do not have the mayor on this legislation. The mayor has been very clear that this is not the right thing to do right now. The mayor has made a point of saying that this money wouldn't be available till 2022 because of the wow. way the legislation is created. So this legislation is really a package of three proposed ordinances. One imposes the new payroll tax, 1.3% tax on payroll over $7 million in the city of Seattle, which would impact about 800 businesses. And the council members who are pushing this, council member Swan and Morales, they claim that this is a tax Amazon initiative, but it will impact 800 businesses, according to analysis done by the city of Seattle. They're pushing that. The mayor is not supportive of it. There are three proposed ordinances. One is the tax. Another one is a fund transfer in order to make money available immediately for homelessness and the stimulus check. So it would transfer funds from one pot of money in the city of Seattle to this program. And then that would be paid back by those taxes that are raised in 2022. Okay, so at least there's um, some voices of let's take a more measured approach. Let's find, find an alternative here that may actually work better. And because there will be and there are already, I know, but I, I also think like so many others, the the spaces of need that people have are just going to continue to change and grow as we move through whatever a post-COVID world looks like, if that makes, if that makes sense, if it doesn't sound, you know, too much of a post-apocalyptic statement, but I think, you know, aren't we all kind of reckoning with this thing of, you know, going back to normal isn't, isn't going to look like what so many of us thought in the way we do business and the way that the state collects money for tax revenue. I mean, we really are going to experience a lot all together in some different way over the next, what, six months, 12 months, two years. That's right. Uh, the governor has released his phased in approach to get back to work, his safe open plan. He's announced his three work groups, uh, very recently announced those. So we're in phase one until the end of May, the end of this month. Then we're going to be in phase two, which will have some businesses open at 50% for another three weeks. Then we'll enter phase three, which will allow some larger gatherings of people for another three weeks. Then we'll enter phase four, where most things will be allowed to be open with the exception of nightclubs and uh, social distancing still present. Yeah, it's just gonna be, it's just gonna be different. So, you know, as, as those of us who, 
you know, are in, in community and all of us are, right? Uh, I think it will be important for all of us to be looking within our communities to see how we can uh, be helpful and do, do those things that are meaningful and help our elected officials perhaps and what that could look like. Um, okay, election 2020, in spite of all the craziness, right? We're gonna have elections. Yeah, we're going to have elections. The The president, of course, is up. Governor Inslee is up for election. But our entire state House of Representatives is up for election in 2020. A significant portion of the state Senate is up for election. Several wow. incumbents are retiring. We are set to see another legislature come in, a different legislature. And if you look at the polling, Voters in Washington are ready to elect an even more progressive legislature that will be the deciders in the 2021 legislative session when the state is facing that $7 billion hole that I described. Right. So you mentioned there's 147 seats. Over a dozen are leaving the legislature. They're either retiring or they're going to run for higher office. That's going to get interesting here. Um, there's, there's some interesting races too. And one that I know you enjoy talking about um, is the Lieutenant Governor. Let's talk about that. Yeah, our, our Lieutenant Governor is, is retiring from politics at the age of 38. And why would a 38 year old rising star who made it all the way to Lieutenant Governor bow out right now and retire? Well, he announced he wants to join the Jesuit order and become a Catholic priest. So he's on his way to uh, Los Angeles to pursue that. Uh, he's a very interesting and charismatic politician who has been blind since he was eight years old. Uh, but despite that, he uh, attended Yale Law School. He uh, was a Rhodes Scholar. He uh, was Lieutenant Governor, a state senator. And, and now he is going to give all of that up and become a, a Catholic priest. Wow. And you had mentioned, I mean, there had been speculation that he would be, you know, probably a contender in an election ahead to maybe be governor or to run for governor. So he had a chance to become governor, but in, in I think the following scenario where Joe Biden wins the election to become president, and as Joe Biden is building his cabinet, he calls up Governor Inslee. If Governor Inslee gets called up because he's created such a national profile for himself and his leadership on environmental issues, that would make the lieutenant governor our governor until the next election. And there would be a special election that would occur in a year. So depending on how this federal election goes, many observers believe Inslee will be called up to Washington, D.C., and whoever is sitting in that lieutenant governor's seat will likely be our governor for at least a year. Got it. So there are a couple of, we could call them top contenders for that lieutenant governor's seat. Who are they? One is Denny Heck. He's a current congressman in Washington State's congressional, or excuse me, 10th congressional district. He's a longtime Olympia insider and has been working in Congress for years and built a profile for himself there. He has a reputation for being, uh, you know, more of a moderate Democrat. Uh, and he looks like he will be the one to beat in this election. There are two other folks running for this seat uh, on the Democratic side. 
there is State Senator Steve Hobbs from the 44th Legislative District, which is Lake Stevens. Uh, Senator Hobbs has a military background. He also is going for that moderate lane uh, in the Democratic Party. Uh, he's been around for a long time and, and knows a lot of people in the state and in Olympia. And then finally, there is State Senator Marco Leas, who is from Edmonds. And he's going for more of the, the left lane, I suppose you could say. Uh, he's a younger senator. Um, and he, I think, will build a coalition behind him. Our current Lieutenant Governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor Cyrus Habib, who I just described, who will be going and pursuing this Jesuit uh, priesthood, he has endorsed uh, Marco Leas for this position. Interesting. Okay. Um, and there were a couple of other things here that you, I know we've talked about it a little bit before, um, but can you talk about the the speaker? There, there are some, you know, challengers that you call out here, um, including the former speaker. So how, what does that look like? And what does that mean for those of us who live in Washington? This is a trend to keep your eye on. You have the former speaker of the house who dropped down from that position and now he's just a regular legislator. And he represents the 43rd legislative district, which is Capitol Hill in Seattle. One of the more uh, left uh, legislative districts in the entire state. Well, Rep Chop, he has a great reputation for doing many progressive things, was the longtime speaker for over 20 years in the state of Washington. He is being challenged from the left. Okay. And we're seeing that happen to several state legislators this year. And that is a trend that will continue. So you're having legislators who were once seen as, you know, pretty left now being challenged from the left being primaried in that way. And that's a trend we're gonna see as we go into 2021. So voters are really gonna to need to decide how, how left do they want to lean, right? And what does, what does looking more progressive in Washington state look like? Well, when you look at the polls, this state has a real desire to elect progressive legislators to deliver on progressive goals. That's one of the reasons why in this 2020 session, we saw programs to fund healthcare for low-income individuals, to fund resources for the homelessness population, because that's what voters are saying that they want. Now, yeah. that has consequences for businesses because in order to get the resources to fund the, the programs, you, 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 know, you need to find them somewhere. And the legislators are looking to the, the business community um, you know, to fund those. We don't have an income tax. Right. And that seems like that's perhaps been a target for a while and, and would kind of be an easy one, right? When most other states have one, uh, it would probably check the box on some of the needs that Washington, well, certainly will have going forward. The courts have been pretty clear on income taxes and a progressive style, federal style income tax is not constitutional in the state of Washington. So you'd actually okay. have to change the state constitution in order to impose that progressive style income tax. The courts have said that legislators could impose a flat income tax, meaning that 
everyone's income would be taxed at 5% or something like that, rather than have the graduated, um, you know, incomes like we see in, in most states. Okay. Well, so assuming that we're going to have a special session in the summer, would you be willing to come back and share with us what the happenings are, what it means for us. I'm sure there will be a lot of media attention, but one of the things I appreciate is having your perspective on, uh, you know, not not being in the in the scope of media, but being able to tell us what that really means for our businesses, for workers, um, and you know, for all of us as voters. Absolutely, I'd come back anytime. <laughs> Which I appreciate because, you know, I'll, I'll let everybody in on the fact here that this is our take two on this. We recorded this session and my Zoom lack of skill meant that we recorded it and somehow the recording absolutely disappeared. Uh, you were gracious enough to do this all over again. So it looks like a good take two. Um, I will be a, a super saver from this point going forward. And I think we'll have some really good information to give people some access to over the summer. And maybe we can invite people to join us live. Everybody loves the live Zoom these days, right? Hey, we're all experts in Zoom now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm making, I'm making great progress. But you know, it's like 10 weeks in. So one would hope that it's getting easier. So, all right. Well, anything else that you'd like to share today, Zach? That's all I have for you and your listeners. But as always, I'm here as a resource here to help connect you and your listeners to this process. We are going to need a lot more voices at our uh, state legislature and in our cities and counties um, if we want to have a seat at the table to shape what the next package looks like to help businesses and the communities really good point so people can just reach out to you directly you're on linkedin i'm always happy to share your contact information too but um when we make things work well together it's because we're working together right so let's keep that in mind and thank you for being an advocate for us and thank you too for always being willing to share your knowledge about how all of this works uh, so with that Thanks for tuning in today. You can follow us on the Propel Checkup YouTube site. You can listen to us on iTunes. And as always, I hope that you have learned something new, that you've been inspired with something different today. Thank you for being a part of the checkup.